You're listening to Comedy Central. Spring break, the one week a year when college students drink and party. This is now the second year that spring break has fallen during coronavirus, but things are a little different now. At this time last year, many people hadn't started taking the pandemic seriously yet. But this year, they've stopped taking the pandemic seriously too soon. Spring break state of emergency. Overnight, more chaos on Miami Beach. A wild weekend of mostly maskless people packing the streets. Police shooting pepper balls to disperse the crowd, setting off a stampede. More than a thousand people arrested there since the start of spring break. Maskless crowds descended into the entertainment district over the weekend, dancing on cars, drinking in the streets, defying an 8 p.m. curfew issued Saturday. Tourists have been packing this popular spring break destination since February, back when Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis declared the state a, quote, oasis of freedom from coronavirus restrictions. Governor Ron DeSantis made the Free state, no mask. We can come and have some fun. One guy dressed as the Joker climbed on top of a car with an American flag, tossed dollar bills, and declared COVID's over. COVID's over, baby. Oh, wow. The new Snyder Cut is weird as hell. But let's be clear here. COVID is not over. All right, some random dude can't declare the end of the pandemic by dressing up like the Joker and making it rain. It's not a thing. Only Dr. Fauci can declare the end of the pandemic by dressing up like the Joker and making it rain. And look, you can't totally blame the maskless partying on college students. I mean, this is what's gonna happen after Florida's governor called the state a, quote, freedom oasis. Like, if I put a Starbucks sign above my apartment door, I can't be mad when people show up and try to take a shit in my bathroom, but still, There's no reason that you can't celebrate spring break and wear a mask. It can even be part of the fun. I mean, just think about how sexy a wet mask contest could be, hmm? I mean, we haven't seen mouths in a year. What's under there? Mm Mm-mm. And if we've learned anything from Miami, this is just a preview of how much everyone is gonna let loose once the pandemic is truly over. People have been locked up for too long. Once it ends, everyone's gonna be drinking and partying, hooking up with everyone. It's gonna be so much that it's gonna create the next worldwide virus. Yeah. Guys are gonna be waking up in bed next to a bat like, "Uh uh-oh, I think I did it again. But let's move on to this week's big political news. President Raisin Biden. He's facing a lot of challenges in his first 100 days. The vaccine rollout, the crisis at the border, What happened to Ms. Frizzle? But over the weekend, he faced his biggest challenge yet, staying upright. A White House spokesperson has blamed wind gusts for President Biden stumbling three times as he attempted to climb the stairs onto Air Force One. This happened as the commander-in-chief was boarding the aircraft to fly to Georgia. The same White House spokesperson added that Mr. Biden is doing, quote, 100% fine and did not require medical attention. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I I honestly can't believe that this happened. The president got knocked over by wind? This is gonna be the first president where the Secret Service needs to carry around paperweights. Hold on, sir, hold on, we got you, we got you. Someone sneezed. For real though, why, why, why couldn't they just say that he tripped? Tripping on stairs is a normal thing. You don't need to lie about it. But saying you got blown over by the wind, that is so much weirder. 
It's like if your roommate walked in on you jerking off and instead of just telling him, you're like, oh no, I'm detaching my penis for the night. I put it away for safekeeping. And by the way, people, it's not like this just happened to Joe Biden, all right? It happens all the time. Biden tripped, Obama tripped, Mike Pence tripped. And the reason isn't because they're old. The reason is because they were running up and down stairs. You shouldn't do that. That would never happen in Africa. I mean, mostly because our presidents fly commercial and they gotta wait for their boarding group to be called, but you get what I mean. The point is, we don't think about it because we use stairs so much, right? No one thinks about it, but stairs are basically an obstacle course. You take one wrong step and you're gonna eat shit. And that's one thing, one thing that my man Trump understood. You love him or hate him, but you gotta treat stairs with respect. He understood that. You walk up slowly. You hold the banister and you swear to God that if he lets you survive this, you'll never walk upstairs ever again. March Madness. It's the most fun way to gamble away your stimmy. This year's tournament has already seen its fair share of upsets, like Oral Roberts making it to the Sweet 16, and I'm guessing from its name, also third base. But the biggest shock of the tournament so far didn't happen on the court, it happened in the weight room. The NCAA is apologizing after being criticized for the stark difference in the fitness facilities provided to the men and the women competing in the college basketball tournaments. Oregon's Sedona Prince gave us a glimpse of the weight room differences in a social media video last Thursday. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show you all the men's weight room. As you can see, the men were provided with a lot more equipment than the women. It did not take long for the NCAA to make changes, though. By Saturday, the NCAA sharing the new setup for the women. Prince thanking everyone who helped. Guess what, guys? We got a weight room, yeah! Damn, that's ice cold. Because that's not a weight room. That's just the rack of weights that you buy in the beginning of quarantine and then never use. And honestly, this is surprising because usually the NCAA treats male and female athletes equally. I mean, they definitely pay them both the same amount. But to be fair, at least the NCAA made it right. After the uproar, they gave the women the same amenities that the men's weight room has. More machines, more weights, and they even added the guy who always makes way too much noise when he's lifting. <laughs> This is how you know that I'm strong. <laughs> now, it was upsetting enough when people saw the difference in men's and women's weight rooms, but it turns out that sexism in the NCAA is a lot like Facetune. Once you're aware of it, you start noticing it everywhere. But it's not just the weight room. The COVID tests, different for the men's tournament, the more accurate PCR tests. At the women's, antigen tests. Another complaint, a quick look at the official March Madness Twitter account. The bio reads, the official NCAA March Madness destination for all things Division I NCAA men's basketball no mention of the women's tournament. The men have been provided with a brand new NCAA court with March Madness, the huge logo in the middle, where on the women's court, you're gonna still see two lines for the men's line and the women's line for three-point shots. There's a volleyball court on one of the courts. It doesn't even look like an NCAA game. There are differences in food options for the men's and women's teams, as well as the difference in gift bags given to players. The men were given a large number of custom items designed for March Madness, 
while the women's had a few generic items, including a 150-piece puzzle and a towel that said NCAA Women's Basketball Plus an umbrella. A puzzle? Yo, that is a trash gift. And what's even worse is when you complete it, it shows a picture of the men's team enjoying a free steak dinner. Seriously, how are you gonna give the players a puzzle that is not swag, people? When you look at all of this together, the differences are so stark, it almost seems less like sexism and more like the NCAA didn't even know that the women were coming, you know? It's so bad, it's almost like the women were knocking on the door and the NCAA was just scrambling. Oh shit, the ladies are here. Do we, do we have anything to give them? Uh, I ordered a burger for lunch. Okay, it'll work. Just chop it up and save sliders. What, what else, do we have swag? Uh, I think there's an umbrella in the closet. Yeah, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work. So. Clearly, casual sexism has pervaded almost every aspect of the player experience at this tournament. But it's not just a problem for the players. It's also affecting the coaches. There was also an article in The Athletic this morning about some of the female coaches uh, who are working in the tournament and how the NCAA is basically penalizing them and their teams if they have, say, a baby who depends on them for food. That baby counts inside the bubble against the total... <laughs> that they can bring in so that per coach's team, if they want to feed their child, has to have one less athletic trainer, one less other coach, one less person in the traveling party. Ridiculous. Okay, now that, that is positively ridiculous. No one should be punished for having children. The children are already punishment enough. Not to mention, asking a coach to choose between her baby and a trainer for the team I mean, that's a really great way to get the rest of the team to hate that baby. I mean, you could be getting deep tissue massages right now if it wasn't for little Derek. <coughs> now, I don't know why this seems so hard, but there's an obvious solution here. All you should do is have the baby be the assistant coach. After all, a crying baby can be very motivational. Uh, what do you want? A, a blanket? A bottle? Do you, you want me to win the tournament? Is that it? Okay, I'll win the tournament. Just please take a nap, take a nap, just take a nap. Oh, oh, stop crying. The fact is, the way that the women have been treated during this tournament has been disgraceful. I mean, the only silver lining is that it's made the NCAA's favoritism towards male athletes as blatant and impossible to ignore as that one guy in the gym. Does anyone want to date me now? Dogs, creators of the world's most popular sex position. Across the country, there are thousands of good boys just waiting to be adopted. And one equally good human boy is giving them a boost. A 14-year-old found a way to help a lot of shelter dogs. Yeah, his name's Darius Brown. He helps them stand out in the crowd with bow ties. Darius has sewn hundreds <laughs> of bow ties Cute. and sent them to animal shelters across the country looking sharp. And they aren't just for dogs because he makes them for cats, too. There you go. He says he's donated about six hundred bow ties for animal shelters. Shelter workers say it helps the animals, especially older ones, get noticed more quickly. It's very smart. Yeah. Oh, guys, a bow tie on a dog? That's something you don't expect. You know, it's like shrimp tails and cinnamon toast crunch, but adorable. And this is a genius plan because a bow tie just makes everything a little snazzier. You know, dogs, people, other bow ties. A simple bow tie could even make like a raging douchebag seem respectable, which is, by the way, how Tucker Carlson got a TV show. The only problem is, you'll never know why the dog has a bow tie on. I mean, is it fashion? 
or did that dog join the nation of Islam? Some old nice white lady's gonna be bringing her dog home like, speak Sparky, speak, speak. Oh, what a surprise. The white devil wants me to speak on command. Moving on to the coronavirus vaccine. That's the only thing on earth that's stored colder than dipping dots. Every day, more and more people are vaccinated. But after a year of being extremely cautious, some people can't quite bring themselves to accept the good news because it's been so long. I mean, even when I smile, I'm like, oh no, my frown turned upside down. Is that a COVID symptom? So here's a ray of sunshine about a grandmother who was still anxious about doing what she could after getting vaccinated and how her doctor helped her overcome it. Some people say the best medicine is love. For one woman in the Bronx, that's just what the doctor ordered. Take a look at this prescription. This is what Evelyn Shaw got. It reads, you are allowed to hug your granddaughter. It comes after both of them were fully vaccinated. My daughter and granddaughter came to my apartment because they had a gift for me. To my amazement was a prescription from my doctor. And she wrote, you are allowed to hug your granddaughter. <sighs> that hug is a hug I'm going to remember forever. <sighs> okay, you gotta admit, this is such a heartwarming story. I mean, unless we find out that that's the doctor's treatment for everything, I'm afraid it's lupus. So what you're gonna need to do is go and hug this woman's grandma right away, twice a day. Now, yes, it is true that the doctor was out of network, so that hug will cost $80,000, but I'm still happy that this grandma got to see her family before she files for medical bankruptcy. And actually really shows you how much people respect the authority of doctors. I mean, once they write a prescription, there's no more arguing. It's a prescription. Oh, doctors could make that work for them too. Shit, if I was a doctor, I'd just go into a bank with my prescription pad. Good afternoon. I have a prescription for you here that says you need to open the safe and hand me all the cash. Well, I guess if it's for my health. Now look, until everyone can get vaccinated, it is still important to monitor the spread of the coronavirus so we can stop any outbreaks before they get too far. And now getting a coronavirus test is gonna be easier than ever. DoorDash will soon be delivering at-home COVID tests across the United States. The delivery app's teaming up with two health companies, Vault Health, and Everly Well in 12 U.S. markets. DoorDash says delivery of the FDA-approved test kits will typically take less than an hour. They cost just over $100 each, and they can return results in 24 to 48 hours. Yes, thanks to DoorDash, you can now get a COVID test delivered right to your home, along with, I'm assuming, 40 packets of ketchup. And DoorDash isn't the only one helping, by the way. Uber has started offering COVID tests too. Yeah, if you get in the car and you can smell weed, you just tested negative, my friend, congrats. And let me just remind everybody right now that your delivery driver is not responsible for your test results, all right? Because you know there are people out there who are gonna base their reviews on that. What? You're telling me that I have COVID? Dude, one star. Bitch, I'm not the one who coughed on you. Moving on to a ray of sunshine from the world of racism. Yeah, even racism. Black people in America have been waiting for slavery reparations for 150 years. And to put that in terms white people can understand, that's even longer than you've been waiting for the next Game of Thrones book. But now, residents of one city are finally getting their first taste. 
The nation's first reparations program for African Americans was approved overnight in Illinois. The Chicago suburb of Evanston is moving forward with a $10 million plan to address a history of discriminatory housing practices faced by its black residents. The first step, which passed last night, makes $400,000 available for home ownership grants and mortgage assistance. This plan could become a model that more cities could follow. That's right, people. Reparations are happening. Ooh, with these housing grants, black Americans can finally fulfill their lifelong dreams of gentrifying a white neighborhood. And kudos to Evanston, Illinois. Especially since I assume whoever the Evans guy the city was named after was a huge racist. In fact, let me check that before I assume. Get some Wikipedia out and yep, huge racist. Here's my thing though. It's great that some of the funding is going towards practical things like aiding home ownership, but keep in mind, Black people have been through a lot of shit in America over the last 400 years. So some of that money should also just be to give black people a good time, you know, help them relax. Like going to the spa or getting a facial or buying a stress ball for whenever Kanye West tweets something. Basically what I'm saying is it's not real reparations unless you give the descendants of slavery actual money and let them choose how they want to spend it as if they're adults. Ooh. But still, Congratulations to the black people of Evanston and congratulations to all the white people who are gonna find a way to game the system. Well, my 23andMe says that I'm actually 3% Africa, so... Exciting news from the world of international shipping. You know, it's how you get all of those amazing products that claim to be locally sourced. But now, some of those deliveries might be a little delayed. Overseas, a major concern for global shipping. A large container ship is blocking the Swiss Canal. A technical problem caused a 1,300-foot vessel to run aground. The online monitoring system Tanker Trackers shows the huge backlog it's created, a traffic jam, basically, with ships unable to pass in either direction. They're trying to get tugs in there to pull it out, but it's so big that they're having a hard time moving it. Okay, I don't know about you, but I didn't even know that this could happen. There's a giant traffic jam of cargo ships? Yo, you realize that this is gonna set the human trafficking industry back weeks. And I feel so bad for the captain of that ship that got stuck in the canal because like we've all been there trying to make a U-turn on a narrow street, but now imagine how much more stressful it must be when you know that if you back up wrong, you might bump Egypt. Ah, oh, sorry. I also feel bad for the guys behind that ship. Cause it's not like there's a lot of alternate routes they can take. Can you imagine if you're on one of those ships, you're looking at your Waze app like, what, go around Africa? No, 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 pull up Google Maps. This is crazy, we can't go around Africa. But when you look at how big that ship is, I'm not surprised that it got stuck. And the crazy thing is that whole ship is just delivering two AA batteries. Yeah, the rest is just extra packaging. What this situation really shows is how even in this age of technology, we still depend on old school things like cargo ships and canals. I mean, think about it. Right now, we can use our wireless computer phone to buy a hologram with cryptocurrency. But at the same time, big boat got stuck, water too small. But let's move on now to Washington, D.C., where there is a big debate going on about gun control. You see, Democrats say that maybe we should do something so that there isn't a mass shooting like every five minutes. Ugh. While Republicans say, come on, where's your sense of adventure? Live a little. But maybe Republicans are just busy with more important things. Because if you watch conservative media right now, you know that at this moment, we are living through one of the biggest scandals in American history. 
Vice President Kamala Harris under fire for repeatedly failing to salute the military when boarding Air Force Two. Critics call it disgraceful that she would break the tradition of showing respect. And guess who appears to not support our men and women in the armed forces? Vice President Kamala Harris simply refusing to salute the military members standing their post. You should respect the military when they salute, salute back. She's not a very serious person. At least she didn't fall up the staircase here. Uh, but Bernie, the lack of respect here uh, from Kamala Harris, you know, I think is jarring for a lot of folks. For her to walk by them and not return their salute is just, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Unbelievable. Kamala Harris, vice president and woman who is one strong gust of wind away from shattering the glass ceiling, did not return a salute. This is outrageous and dangerous, my friends. Because what if, what if Cuba invaded America and the Marines couldn't fight back because they were still waiting for Kamala to return their salute? I tell you who would never do this. My man, Donald Trump. He loved the military so much that he would salute other countries' troops. That's respect. Yo, but for real though, in case you're wondering, there's no actual rule that the vice president or the president are supposed to return a salute. This is just something that Ronald Reagan started, like the crack epidemic. And once he started, nobody wanted to be the one to stop. You know, it's like how that one coworker in your office started giving everyone holiday gifts. And now you have to do it too, or you look like an asshole. Here's your Starbucks gift card, Cheryl. Oh, you got me, oh, a Starbucks gift card. What a good use of our time. Now, personally, if I was a politician, I'd be saluting all the time. Yeah, it's fun. It's like giving a little baby dab. Like people, if we're honest, if Kamala Harris doesn't salute, I don't think it's the end of the world. In fact, if anyone is disrespecting the military, it's the people on TV talking about the troops like they're crybabies. Make it seem like they're out there crying like, oh, I was waiting to salute when the vice president came, but when she walked by, she didn't salute me. So I saluted for nothing. And finally, some technology news out of Utah the only place where Mitt Romney is considered a renegade. Utah has always been one of the most conservative states in the United States, but now they're taking it to a whole new level. Utah is a step closer to requiring all cell phones and tablets sold in the state to automatically block pornography after the Republican governor signed legislation yesterday that critics call a significant intrusion of free speech. Governor Spencer Cox said the measure would send an important message about preventing children from accessing explicit online content. The measure won't go into effect unless five other states enact similar laws, a provision that was added to address concerns that it would be difficult to implement. That's right. Utah's governor knows that porn doesn't belong on phones and tablets. It belongs on laptops like God intended. I mean, sure, it's a little bit harder to take it into the bathroom and try to balance it on the sink, but that's just part of the excitement. Seriously, people, this is pointless. Even if Utah did successfully ban cell phone porn, it wouldn't make any difference, all right? People are horny. If they can't watch porn, they'll find something else on their phone to get the job done. Well, the Amazon app kind of looks like a penis and the Instagram app looks like a robot's butthole. So if I just put them together, yeah, that's gonna work for me. That's gonna work real good. By the way, I also love that Utah wants five other states to join them. So even Utah's laws are polygamous. But good luck, man. Good luck getting other states to ban porn. I wanna hear that sales pitch. Come on. 
Who else hates looking at naked people, huh? Alaska, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I don't think so, dude. It's pretty lonely up here. Wow, okay. Uh, Idaho, what about you guys? You guys think sex is gross, am I right? Before we go, as it is Women's History Month, I would please ask you to consider donating to A New Way of Life, an organization dedicated to providing housing, legal services, and leadership development for women rebuilding their lives after prison. If you can help out, go to the link below and donate whatever you can. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.